And so I, I'm, not, I'm not like I'm not hypocritical. I didn't just tell Mark to be brief. I uh, I'm going to be brief with a sermon as well. And and I know um, like wow, uh, this is about like usually we're out of here in like five minutes from now. And 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 it'll probably be like. 10, 15 minutes from now. We're not going to do a closing song, but I want to get us back into Romans. It's partially because as I look at the calendar and how I can actually get this in, we're trying to, um, we're trying to uh, get to Romans 5 through 8 is the next big section of the book. We're going to get through that before Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas, we're going to be going through the Old Testament book of Ruth, which will be quite a bit different than both Ecclesiastes and Romans, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and so in order to get through that, um, I want to get us just a little bit back into Romans chapter 5. So we went through Romans 1 through 4 uh, in January up through Easter, and then we've been in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now we're getting back into Romans, and we'll do, like I said, 5 through 8. And so um, if you want to open up your Bible uh, to Romans chapter 5, we're just going to look at verses 1 through 5 today. And a uh, little quick introduction before we get at that. Um, when I was one year old, um, there was this man named John Hinckley Jr. who attempted to assassinate uh, then-President uh, Ronald Reagan and was uh, successful in wounding both him and a number of people that were protecting him. He was soon found to be not guilty for reason of mental insanity, but has been living in a mental hospital of sorts in Washington, D.C. for the last 35 years. He was in the news again recently when the decision was made at the end of July that sometime now in August, and I don't know if that's happened yet or not, he was going to be released to go and live with his aging mother. And so this man who Many people were outraged when he was found not guilty. Now, not only has been found not guilty, um, but has also been freed to go and to, uh, to live with uh, his mom in a nice neighborhood, in a nice community in Virginia, overlooking a golf course. And some people look at that and they're appalled, like, how could somebody who has offended and attempted to assassinate the most powerful person in the land be free to just kind of live in a nice home that overlooks a golf course. That just doesn't seem quite right. Not only um, were they upset when, they, when he was found not guilty, but more upset even now as he's allowed to do what it is that he's doing. Today we're looking at Romans 5, 1 through 5, and you say, what in the world does that have to do with John Hinckley Jr.? Well, in John, in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, we are reminded of the great truth that we saw by the end of chapters 1 through 4, and that is that we who are in Christ, we who trust in Jesus, are people who have been justified or declared righteous. We are guilty. Right? That's the clear message we've seen throughout this book of Romans, is that we are guilty not of some sort of sin against the highest ranking official in our land, but in the supreme God and creator of the entire universe, the God who made planets, that's the one, that the holy and righteous God, that's the one against whom we have sinned. And if we trust in Christ, we have been declared righteous, which seems incredible and amazing. And we praise God for His grace, 
But now we're going to see in Romans 5, 1 through 5, not only have we been declared righteous or justified, we have also been given many more things. So we're just going to look at that quickly together this morning. If you have your Bible with you, like I said, open up to Romans 5, 1 through 5. In your bulletin, there is an outline with some application for you throughout the week. And let's stand together as we read Romans 5, 1 through 5. Father, thank you for your word. We want you, O Lord, to speak until your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. I thank you that as we gather and read your word publicly here this morning, that there are people doing the same thing in Haiti and in India and all over the world. And so, God, I pray that your spirit would be pleased to do a work even in this short time in our hearts right here, right now, that we too might hear your word and be changed as a result. Help us to walk out of here uh, thankful and hopeful because of all that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You can be seated. All right, so we're just going to walk through this really quickly, like I said. Um, We're going to take some time in the coming weeks to do a little better of a reminder of where we've been because it has been a while since we've been in the book of Romans. First point is this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. That point is just actually the first words of the first verse in chapter 5. When he says, therefore, as Chad pointed out when he preached a couple weeks ago, anytime that there's a therefore, we need to ask what the therefore is there for and start looking at what came before this. And what came before this is really all of Romans 1 through 4. Like I said, hopefully in the future we'll get to spend a little more time going through this. Basically, the big idea in Romans so far has been this. There's been this introduction. And then remember, we spent a number of weeks looking at bad news. And really, 118 through 320 is just filled with bad news. And the bad news is that while there is a good and righteous and holy God, the reality is that we are all sinful. We are all unrighteous. So the good news is all about God's righteousness, but the really bad news is about our unrighteousness. And so he begins by talking about how it was that the Gentiles were unrighteous before God. And Jewish people might have been tempted at that point to say, Amen, you keep preaching, Paul. That's right. That's the way they are. And yes, they deserve to be under the wrath of God because that's just the way those other people are. And then in chapter 2, and then even through the beginning of chapter 3, Paul turns and looks at the religious Jewish people and says, Hold on a second, you too. And he points out to them all the ways in which they too are unrighteous before God. And then verses 9 through 20 in chapter 3 really kind of lay out this, the, the, the gravity of how bad the news really is. That we are all unrighteous before a righteous and holy God, who's not only a righteous and holy God, because He's righteous, He's also a judge. 
and we will be judged for our sin. Right? So that's been the bad news. But then there's this huge shift in verse 21 of chapter 3 where we are told that God has a plan though. And God's plan is to send His Son to be the propitiation or the one who absorbs the wrath of the Father for our sins so that all who trust in Him can be justified. And He reminds them in chapter 4, it's not just because you were born from in the line of Abraham that you're justified. It's not just because you followed the law that you're justified. Those things won't justify you. You're justified in one way and in one way only, and that's by faith in Christ. And so that's really kind of a summary, really quick, of Romans 1 through 4. And so when he starts out chapter 5 saying, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and we need to remember, this is amazing grace, right? That we who had offended God have been justified by faith, this great news, and that would be enough. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, then what? Here's the big idea today. When we receive the undeserved gift of justification by faith, we also receive much more. The first two things that he mentions, really three things that he mentions, first two I'm just going to read. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, That's one thing. In addition to having received justification, we've been declared righteous. Now, we who also were at one time at enmity with God have now received this new relationship where we're at peace with God. What a gift, right? Next one, he says, is through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Second big gift that we receive along with our justification is we now have ongoing access to God's grace. You didn't just, and I didn't just experience God's grace that one day when He saved me. We have been experiencing God's grace in many forms day after day after day, and we will on into the future. What a gift. That's given to us as well. And then the last thing he mentions is hope. He spends most of the time in the passage talking about hope. I wish I had a lot of time to talk about hope, but we don't have a lot of time today. And so I'll just talk a a little bit about hope. Our hope, it says in verse 2, is in the glory of God. In chapter 1, our response to the glory of God was we exchanged the glory of God to worship lesser things. In chapter 3, we're told we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But now in chapter 5, we have a new response. Those who have been justified have a new response to the glory of God. And that is, we hope in it. That is where our hope is. Our hope is not in so many lesser things. Our hope is now in the glory of God. We have this new hope that comes to us. But we might wonder, how does that hope come? Uh, And and I don't think we're going to like the way in which that hope comes. If you look at verse 3, it says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So, those of us who have been justified by faith in Jesus, we, we do end up with hope at some point. But it seems the normal route to get there is that we go through suffering, which produces endurance, which produces character, which eventually produces hope. 
So some people are thinking like, oh, now I have been declared righteous. I have this new relationship with God. I have peace with God. I have access to His grace. And so life is going to be smooth sailing from here on out. They're, they're horribly mistaken. Because one of the ways in which God gives us hope is He actually brings our way things that cause suffering. Right? That we suffer... And that suffering is what produces endurance, and that endurance produces character, and that character produces hope. Just a bit from what Mark and I just shared. I think it's hard for us to get this. One thing that we have to recognize, and I think our our team that's going to Haiti and will arrive there, uh, hopefully today or maybe tomorrow, that they're going to recognize and that I recognized as I traveled um, to South Asia with Mark just recently, is that as Americans, we have a lot, right? That's just, that's just reality, that we have so much, that we are well protected by a strong military and many good law enforcement officers. We have a system of government that is far from perfect, but it, doesn't, it, it is a system that limits the rampant corruption that governments all around the world have. Our economy is not in shambles like it is for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Venezuela. We have grocery stores full of food that we can afford. We have garages that hold our cars that are bigger than most of the homes that other people live in, right? All around the world. And so we have it really good. One of the guys that we talked to in India, when he was uh, talking to us about uh, the, the kind of poverty that they see there, he said when he was in America one time, he was helping a church hand out food in their community to poor people. And he was floored by the fact that as they were handing out food to these people in need in the United States of America, that they came driving up in cars. He just couldn't fathom how people living in, in that kind of poverty that they needed, they needed food to come from somewhere else were driving cars. That's just if you, if you don't have money in India and many other places in the world, you don't have a car, right? So, so we just, we just kind of take for granted how much we actually have. And the danger that comes with that is that we can begin to put our hope in those things. We have great access to great health care, right? And so we start to put our hope in our health. We have access to all sorts of great education and all sorts of, uh, of great material things, great food to buy and great houses to live in. And it's easy for us to put our hope in those things. But it seems more from reading Romans chapter 5 that the way that hope comes about, if you're trying to understand, well, well how can somebody living in the conditions and, and worshiping in the conditions, so like their church is gathering in a room in somebody's house that's smaller than here and the church is way bigger or about the same size as our church. How do they do that? Well, their hope is not in getting more comfortable chairs to sit in and in their air conditioning. They're not even thinking about that. Because suffering has produced endurance, and endurance has produced character, and character has produced a hope, and their hope is in the glory of God, not in something else. When we have so much, it's so easy for us to put our hope in the things that we have. But when we don't have those things and instead we have suffering, the only place to turn to for hope is in God Himself. It's one of the things that I think we see in Romans 5 and that we see in other parts of the world as well. And I'll end with this. 
the final thing that helps us to understand. So how is it that we experience suffering? And some people who experience suffering get angry and bitter. But how is it that we can produce, uh, that we can experience suffering and live with great hope at the same time and even rejoice in our sufferings? How are we supposed to do that? Well, if you haven't been justified, I don't know how that comes because that little map thing that I did there, justification comes first, then suffering, and eventually leads to hope. I don't know how you suffer with hope if you have not been made right with God through faith in Christ. And then the last thing, the last verse is this. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The way in which we can live with hope, and I don't know what kind of situations, and by by talking about the, the challenges of people in another culture, I don't mean to minimize the struggles and the suffering that you experience in any way. It's just as real. And I don't know what kind of hurts you walked in here with this morning, what kind of pain, what kind of challenges that you're facing in your life. And, and I could give you like a little kind of pep talk and, and say, say lots of happy, cheerful things to make you feel better walking out. But I can think of nothing better to tell you than what we see in verse 5. That the thing that gives us hope is the fact that the Holy Spirit, God Himself, for those of you who trust in Christ, dwells in you. And you are receiving this constant inpouring love of God into your life. I don't know of anything better or more encouraging that I can tell you than this, that you are loved by God. As you endure suffering, as you, as you struggle through life, we recognize that we are people, if we are in Christ, who have been declared righteous, who have peace with God, who, who have a continual access to His grace, and who live with hope even in the midst of suffering because we are now loved by God. And that's good news. Let me pray. Father, thank You that You love us. That You love us enough that You would send Your Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That He would bear the wrath that we deserve. So that rather than being judged by You, we are now accepted by You. We are brought in to be one of Yours. What a gift it is. We are so thankful and so undeserving not only of the justification that we receive through faith in Christ, but also for those many other gifts. Thank You for Your love for us. Help us to leave this place rejoicing in it. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to send us out with some little music in the background. That's fine. Uh, I'm going to just send us out with uh, one verse uh, from Romans chapter 15 and uh, a very fitting kind of end to, to what that passage in Romans 5 just taught. Um, thanks again for being here. Thanks for sitting a little longer, like 15 minutes longer than normal. So thanks for doing that. Um, and uh, hope to see you back here tonight at 4 o'clock um, or this afternoon, I guess, at 4 o'clock for a time of prayer together. Love to have you here. Send us out with one verse from Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let's go out and abound in hope because of those things. In Jesus' name.